probably one of the number one leadership traits that the world is looking for today is aware leaders, not leaders that can just tell everybody what to do, but leaders that are simply aware of who they are, how they lead and what they bring to the table. Welcome to the Durango Joe's podcast, where we believe everyone deserves a smile, a warm greeting and a great cup of coffee. I'm your host, Trevor Ockborn. A few weeks back, the Durango Joe's leadership team spent three days together at our annual leadership retreat. Each year, we take time away from the office to gather, reflect on the year behind us, learn, and plan for the year ahead. We want to create this culture, and I think we do have it in our culture, of taking time out. We've done this for almost um, probably 13 or 14 or 15 years of our existence, and it's become part of who we are. It's become part of the DNA of Durango Joe's is to say, take a step back every year and reestablish where we're at and where we're going. That was Joe the first morning of the retreat. Before we jumped into the day's sessions, we decided to pull out the mics and talk about why he invests in doing this every year. And I think that's, that lends to part of our success, obviously, but it also is part of our culture is bringing people together to the table to hear their voice, to hear what they think, not just what I think. I mean, that's one thing to have a leader get up in front of people and tell them what they're going to do, but it's another thing to get a group of people together and collaborate on ideas and I think that's one thing that some businesses maybe miss out on. Even if they're a smaller business, it's important to take the few people you do have, you know, and, and use, use them in ways that they feel empowered. They feel like they're contributing. And it just makes the whole experience that much richer at the end of the day. Last night, we spent time just kind of reviewing this crazy year of 2020. Yeah. You know, we walked into this year with some really high goals, things that we wanted to accomplish. But man, after looking back, we did a lot of those things. We sure did. Yeah. yeah. Despite, you know, what we were faced with, we were you know, up against with COVID and all that great stuff. But man, it was exciting to hear what people were talking about, the things that we've accomplished, even in the midst of trials and tribulation and uncertainty and all that kind of stuff. I was excited. It was, it was a fun night last night, kind of recapping some of the good stuff that we've accomplished. And also, setting new goals for next year and looking forward to what we want to see happen. And we're kind of moving into 2021 with a clean slate. We're, yeah. not, we're not trying to, you know, figure stuff out. We're just going to go into 2021 with complete optimism and mm -hmm. positivity and with a great attitude. And we're going to hope for the best, you know. I think looking back at the, the previous year, I mean, like you said, we achieved an incredible amount of, of different goals and stuff, despite COVID and everything going on there. But we did have some projects that were quote unquote casualties of COVID-19. So oh, yeah. I really appreciate that going into this, we are trying to look at it from an ideal scenario and not trying to let that hinder how we're, we're looking forward to 2021. We're not putting an asterisk on it. Like, well, depending on how COVID goes, this is what we want to achieve. It's no, this is, this is what we want to achieve. And we will do our best to, to do that. And we'll reflect on that next year, right? whether or not it happens. Besides our reflections and projections throughout the weekend, we also spent time learning. Throughout the retreat, we were joined by Marshall Snyder, who besides being Joe's longtime friend, has a master's in leadership studies and provides coaching. On the last morning of the retreat, Joe and I both sat down with Marshall to talk about the lessons he shared with us. Marshall, welcome to the microphone. 
Great to be with you guys today. Love it. Yeah. So you're a long time and really good friend with Joe. You guys have been wearing basically the same outfit the entire weekend, matching like twins. <laughs> yeah, baby. It's called frequency, baby. We're on the same frequency. I, I mean, that is no joke in so many yeah. different ways as various stories this weekend have illuminated. But you're not here just as a friend to Joe. You're here as a facilitator and in a, a much more impactful I think capacity this weekend. Right, right. So tell me a little bit about what your role is for this weekend and and kind of what you do and how you got into it cuz you're a leadership guru, I think is uh is what I'm getting. Uh, I don't know about the guru part. You know, one of the things I think I love doing is helping organizations and groups uncover their story and uncover their direction and basically helping them become uh, find that end in mind and work their way back from it. So within each organization, our desires and plans and uh, opportunities to move really from that goodness to greatness and really help them discover that and then provide for them avenues of ways, different models and different things that they can put into play to help them help them realize that. Yeah. How did you find this either talent or niche or passion? I think uh, leadership has been a big part of my life for a long time. I didn't realize, I think, like Joe and I were doing leadership stuff before we even knew that there was like a leadership stuff, you know, we were reading books, so, you know, we probably both cut our teeth on John Maxwell. And, and then, uh, I remember one of the very first kind of leadership books that was kind of more of a transcendent leadership style. Okay. Like John Maxwell. Great. But he's more of a real practical and tactical, that kind of very stuff. Very corporate language. Yeah. Where we kind of came in contact with a book, seven habits of highly effective oh, sure. people. And that was kind of my first kind of dive into a more of a transcendent, deeper mission values kind of a thing. It's called more of the leadership through me, kind of a leading through me okay. and really grabbing a hold of implementing a leading from a position of mission. Like what are you contributing to the world as opposed to just different ways of, you know, and I'm not saying that this is what they're saying, but as opposed to just different ways of getting people to do something. Sure. So it's more about the contribution. Yeah. Yeah. So Joe, what sort of value do you get out of having Marshall here at these kind of events helping facilitate? Yeah, that's, that's a really good question because I think, you know, as you're part of our team, you hear me, you see me, mm. I talk a lot, you know, I'm leading a lot and guiding the company. And it's so good to hear an outside voice, mm. somebody mm -hmm. that's coming in with fresh perspective, they can look at things objectively and then they can give advice that typically I, I'm not going to give just because I don't see it. I have blind spots. We all do, in, you know, as leaders. And Marshall does a really good job at covering my blind spots mm. and being able to walk into a room and read the room real well and know where things are at and then guide that conversation or whatever kind of exercise we're doing to a place where we're all going to go, ah, oh, that's it. You know, yeah. now I think we, we see the picture much clearer. So yeah. I, you know, I mean, and it actually feeds me as well. So during these retreat times, I'm just not giving, you know, and performing in a sense of just having to, to lead the whole time. I'm get, I'm able to sit back and take in what Marshall's saying. And uh, we had some great freaking lessons this weekend Marshall brought to the table. It was really good. Yeah. I was actually wondering if you wouldn't mind uh, sharing with us kind of one of the core lessons that, that you brought to the table, even if just in short, but it was a really simple concept being above and below the line. Right. And talk about how that can be a, a transformational mindset for folks. Well, it's, it's really 
a model that I learned and have gone to some classes on um, in, on the 15 habits of transformational leaders, uh, conscious leadership. And it's actually more about being conscious about a, be a leader a recognizing their consciousness. And in that, in that particular book, they lay out, this is by Jim Dethridge and his team there, Conscious Leadership Institute. And the whole idea of being above the line, if you're a leader that's above the line, you're, you're open, you're curious, you're committed to learning. Mm-hmm. And if you're below the line, right, you're closed, you're defensive and committed to being right and being in the drama. And so we really focused on bringing that level of consciousness of being above the line, because like I said, you know, in the, in the lessons is that, you know, uh, 90% of the time we spend below the line because we're wired to be defensive and our ego gets attacked. And that's kind of how, where we live. But when we, li- when we put something else in our consciousness that we can choose to shift to, that's all, that's what we help to do is just helped um, bring in a level of leadership of conscious. Anytime you learn something new, you were, you had a one level of consciousness in this learning and you were walking and operating out of that consciousness. But when you add something new, you bring something into another area of consciousness and then you're able, you choose whether you're going to implement that level or not. There's many things in leadership that I've learned that I don't actually bring to consciousness, but there's things that I'm intentionally bringing to consciousness. And that this particular focus has really been something I've been focusing my organization on as well as the organizations I'm working with. Yeah. Well, and I think I really enjoyed it because I think leadership can be a really complicated topic. It feels like you need to have this robust understanding and certainly there are ways you can go super deep on it, but this really helps create a, you you even said it, I think on day one, but a binary it's you're either conscious or you're not, you're either really thoughtful about what you're doing or you're on autopilot. Right. And if you're on autopilot, there's some pitfalls that you can fall into. Absolutely. Yeah. That's, I think that's a great way of saying it, the binary part. It's you're, you're here or you're, you're not, you know? And the, the point is that we, we spend most of the time below the line mm-hmm. because we're worth, our ego is threatened. Right. And yeah. so when we're threatened, we brace for impact. And so we don't know what that level of impact is going to be. And so we can only create a story of what that impact is going to look like. And this brings us to that level of like, Hey, let's just be, rather than being defensive right now, let's be open. Yeah. Let's be open and curious about what this could be. Because if we recognize that, Life isn't just happening to me, but it's happening by me. Like yeah. I get to create the life that's going to happen from this obstacle. So there's another book out called The Obstacle Becomes the Way. Yeah. Okay. You know, so it's really, it's really a fascinating approach to leadership. I think what wraps everything up in kind of what Marshall was saying again is uh, so much about being self-aware, mm-hmm. you know, as we learn to be good leaders that operate above the line, yeah. that self-awareness is, is paramount as leaders. And so many times I think we, we, like you said, you put it on automatic pilot and then you just go through your day, but being conscious about kind of how you're wired as a leader and in life, man, it just makes it so much richer when you decide to be conscious and, and take time to be intentional about your relationships and about those, what you just talked about, those obstacles Mm -hmm. that come our way. And you're like, oh gosh, this could be not an obstacle, but it could be a freaking great opportunity. Yeah. Well, you know you, what I'm saying? Yeah. Cause you, you move the thing that human beings have that are different than animals. This morning there was, we're in this beautiful place in Colorado. And this morning there was a, a fox out on the water just yeah. right out there. And I got to see that. It was really interesting. And he just sat in there watching and he's looking and, and the, the way animals think as opposed to human beings is we have 
a level of power of decision where we can move from being primal, being focused on our ego and the fight, flight, freeze, faint, yes, you know, that yeah. method. We, as an animal, animals don't, they just automatically go one of those ways. That fox, if I walked up to that fox, he's just going to take off. He's not going to stand there and go, hmm, I want to see what I'm going to do here. He's going to leave where I, as a human being, have the, de- the ability to make the decision to move from the primal part of my brain, the back part, mm-hmm. through the emotional aspect up into that front neocortex where all the decisions and reason and stuff, and that's the difference between us. And so, like Joe said, being aware, which is probably one of the number one leadership traits that the world is looking for today, is aware leaders. Not leaders that can just tell everybody what to do, but leaders that are simply aware of who they are, how they lead and what they bring to the table. And someone said this way, you know, employees or people that work for you are not leaving your company. Most of the time they're leaving the leader. And most of the reason they're leaving that leader is because that leader is not self-aware. What are some of the, the pitfalls or challenges or maybe symptoms of that below the line leadership style or thinking that people need to be aware of? First off, there's the closeness, the closed part of your life that you're not open to other ideas. Like we, we witnessed it this week. You have a very aware leader. I mean, he's working on parts of his awareness, just like we all are. We all are. Yeah. Yeah. But, but you know, he didn't sit around and just, you know, give all of his information and said, deal with it. You know, he was listening and he was, you know, this is a great idea. That's a great idea. Let's pull that out. So you have that sense of openness to other ideas, openness to, you know, ways of different ways of thinking, openness to different ways of being aware, openness to growth, openness and those, mm-hmm. those kind of things. Right. So that's that, that one area is making sure that, you know, if you're, if you're open, you'll see that you'll grab a hold of it. And he's committed to learning. He's always learning. And that's a good thing that you've heard these common things like leaders are readers. I ask leaders all the time, what are you reading? Yeah. I don't care what it is. I really don't care just as long as they're reading, because that means that they're moving through something. They're, they're growing in some way, shape or form. Right. And, and I love this one is the curiosity. Mm -hmm. We have to as leaders. And I think Joe does a really good job at this is we just have to be curious about new ideas. I've, I've known Joe for 20, over 20 years. And we work together, working with youth together in different, different venues. And we always were curious about what each other was doing. And we were always ripping each other off and stealing this ISO and that <laughs> idea, but we would also be looking around and seeing what other things were going on and then being able to take that and grab it and say, well, that's not going to work. All that's not going to work what I, in my context, mm-hmm. right? But I can change it to meet, the, to meet the context. So I changed the content to fit the context. And I think that's something I think we just talked about this week too, this last couple of days is the difference between content and context. So yeah. content comes, life comes, and I can't do anything about that. It's the context I'm in, whether I'm above the line with the content or mm-hmm. below the line with the context. That's a really, those are the things that are, you know, does that leader have the ability to understand the content and context? Is he just reacting to the content? Yes. Yeah. Or is he putting into context and recognizing where he or she is at within the content? These get relatively raw sometimes. Uh-huh. Uh, a few years ago, I can't remember if it was last year or the year before, but you drilled into me a little bit and uh, really kind of challenged my ego and my sense of self. And I think I grew a lot from that. We had a moment like that with another individual this weekend. So I want to talk about your ability, your skill to kind of see that and challenge that, not back down from what would be, I think, a traditional sense of 
bad conflict maybe, mm. but turn it into this positive kind of moment of introspection mm. and thought. Wow. I, I don't know if I realize I'm doing it. You know what I mean? I just capture it. Like I capture that someone's triggered or capture that someone's below the line. Mm-hmm. And that's the, the important point is to be able to teach it first yes. and then be able to, to point out where that's happening. And then, uh, and then actually giving them a, a, a tool to come out of that move beyond that place. And it's, it's definitely something I've just learned, but it's more something I fall into. I feel it. I'm, I'm not necessarily looking for it. I'm not necessarily waiting for someone to go below yeah. the line, but I'm watching it. And I'm watching, and like Joe said, uh, to feel the room. I'm a seven on the Enneagram, a seven wing eight. What does that mean for listeners who maybe don't know what that is? Oh man, great. Uh, so a seven is kind of a, I'm a people person. I'm a feel, I'm a feeler. So I feel things. I, I feel the crowd that's going on. I love to be with people. I love to, you know, my, in the Enneagram, my sin, if you will, is gluttony, you know? So I love (laughs) to have all the things and all the stuff around and excesses. I enjoy that, you know, but the eight part of me is an achiever. It wants to do things. It wants to uh, accomplish stuff. So there's that drive that's in there as well. So uh, as a seven, I feel, I feel the room. I tend to feel where the people are at. I can, I, I do my best. I'm not, not a hundred percent, but I'm pretty, pretty good. And I have some studies in human development as well. That's helped me to, to grab a hold of that. So I'm not necessarily looking for those kind of things, but I feel them or I see them happen. And we, ha- we, you know, we've had times this week where this last couple of days where people have been triggered or they get to these places. Mm-hmm. And, and the key thing is you're tender and how you talk to people and how you bring them along. And, and that's just, I think it's a natural part of me. I recognize that and recognize it's a tender place and, and it's a, it's actually, it can, it, it can be really healing if it's done well. So, and I'm learning that still too. Well, I think one thing that Marshall even highlighted in your process of being able to read the room, I think what, what you've taught us this weekend as well is to ask the right questions. That's good. Yeah. And to really be able not just to go in and, and bulldoze your way through, through somebody's life, but to really ask the questions so that they are actually bringing whatever it is that's going on inside, Mm. they're bringing it up. You know, they're actually doing the work themselves because they're answering those questions that you've very tactfully ask and, and it allows them to actually be the answer to their own situation. Right. Well, but you've also created one of the things, the only reason this works too, is you guys have created an environment, an ethos, if you will, a pathos within the group where people, I mean, they really feel like they can share that where that situation in particular, in some places would have said that should have happened behind closed doors. That should have happened between the two people that it needed to happen behind but you know what? It it was we were able to talk about that openly, mm-hmm. and I think what that does there's new people on the team that they're watching right now. They're in that space and they're checking this out, and they're like, "How can I be in this place? How do I adjust my personality to meet the needs of this room and be with Joe and be up close?" But they're in that room and they're going, "Oh, okay, we can be raw here, and I can share my feelings here, and I can really share what I'm thinking here, and I can be authentic here, and that they really want that at the table." rather than where a lot of us feel like we're in these spots in our workplaces where we have to adjust our personality to fit in. It's human nature to want to be in relationship. Yeah. And it's human nature to want to fit in this crowd. And that's what I loved this, this whole couple of days. What I noticed is that the team works hard together, but they also play well together. They were up last night to 1130 playing pool and just having a great time laughing. We were playing games. And so there was all of that playfulness as well, which actually that playfulness actually opens the mind and for ideas to come in. Being playful is actually going in and getting a 
chiropractic adjustment. It stretches you out. It puts space in between those areas. And that's what happens when we're playful. And when I'm playful, I can be me in front of you. So when I'm in a room where we have to, you know, focus, I'm actually, I have a lot more space, liminal space in between what I'm talking about. So, and we, when we get to that deeper level, I actually feel like I can share that because we've played together. Yeah. And that's good. Absolutely. That trust. It's great. Well, thank you so much, Marshall. Yeah. I think, uh, I think we're very much looking forward to, uh, continuing to work with you and learn from you for the remainder of the trip. I know, uh, we've got some more discussion topics this morning and you, you've been helping facilitate those as well. What else are you working on or excited about if you want a, a shameless plug moment? Yeah, well, I'm loving doing what I'm doing through our part of this part of our company called Authentic Us, which is just about helping raise up authentic leaders, you know, helping them to be authentic and, and focus on those things. I'm uh, working on a book currently right now that I'm excited about. Oh, and yeah. yeah okay. So I'm excited about that. It's in the, it's in the writing process. And uh, so that's something I'm, I'm really jazzed about. And um, can you give us a, a little quick synopsis? <laughs> yeah. Marshall, why don't you tell us the title? <laughs> well, the name of the book is Leadership. Oh, okay. <laughs> the whole point is it's, you know, we've all been in shitty leadership situations okay. where we've been in places where a leader has not been good. And so the idea of this book is to help that the title is leadership, uh, how to see it, not step into it. Okay. You know, how to understand it. And then it's going to have some degrees of surveys in it to help you get out of those areas and recognize those and become aware you know, really love that idea of conscious leadership that I'm just conscious about where I'm at and what I bring to the table. So every chapter starts with a story of some form of a shitty leadership situation. And then it goes into other areas of, and then I bring in my master's is in leadership studies, you know, mm -hmm. and so bringing in a theory that will balance that out. And so, and I'm, I get to work, I work with a nonprofit in Portland, Oregon as well, that works alongside, uh, I think, wakening people up at different levels in their service, service abilities and opportunity. So I'm a busy guy and love what I'm doing. We coach, my wife and I coach health and wellness as well. And, and we're enjoying our enjoying life right now. And, and really kind of getting paid to be us. I think if you will, it's, it's a great, it's a great time of life. So awesome. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much. You always bring an element of excitement and energy that really lasts quite a bit of time after you're gone. Oh, that's and cool. so we really want to um, you know, take a hold of some of the things you've taught us this weekend and the direction that you've pointed us in in some ways and go for it. So thanks again, Marsh. You bet. I love it. If you love it too, please consider taking a moment to rate and review this episode and share it with someone who could learn from the message. The Durango Joe's podcast is produced and published by Durango Joe's Coffee. In this episode, you heard from CEO Joe Lloyd and Marshall Snyder, who is a friend, leadership coach, and so much more. It was written, recorded, and edited by yours truly, Trevor Ockborn. Durango Joes. Love people. Love coffee. You're in the crazy mountains of Colorado. Just hanging out. Today we're going to talk about the importance of cannabis in your coffee. Mr. Uh, Joe Lloyd here. Mm -hmm. Spook. Jumped on through the radio.